Good morning, and welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jacqueline Cafaro, who is at SDFS, a boutique mental health practice. Welcome, Jacqueline. Good morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good, Good morning. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself, so before we get started on the, on the juicy part. Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Jacqueline. I am a clinician at SD Family Services, which is located in Canton, and we also have an office in Wooborn, which which we opened about two months ago. Uh -huh. um, and at SDFS, we do all types of support for families going through divorce. Uh, we offer multifaceted family therapy for resist-refuse dynamics cases. We offer co-parenting coaching. We offer individual therapy for adults or children who are being impacted by divorce. So we, we kind of are a, a, a one-stop shop for anything in that space. Uh, we also do uh, guardian ad litem reports, yeah. um, so custody evaluations. And then um, we offer a program called CORE, Co-Parenting Restructuring, which I think we're going to talk about today. We certainly um, are. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we have a, a lot of different offerings all designed to help families who are navigating the very difficult process of separation and divorce and kind of reframing how they're going to be a functional family again. Right. Well, as a divorce attorney, I think the services that your practice um, provides is, are so wonderful because most divorce attorneys are ill-equipped to handle the parenting issues and the mental health issues that come up, and it's lovely to be able to refer to your boutique practice to handle them so delicately and sensitively. So I really want to delve into this core program, but sure. tell us a little about yourself. Is this yes. your first uh, choice of <laughs> occupations? No, it's not actually. I um, actually majored in English in college uh, with the intention of being a lawyer. Um, ah. And then I worked at a law firm um, for three years, but after the first day, I decided I was not going to be a lawyer. <laughs> Didn't um, take long. <laughs> did not take long. Um, I was working in corporate law, though, so that's very different yes. um, than, than this space. And then um, I actually worked, made the transition to work into finance for 10 years. And once I had my children and I realized that the, you know, the work-life balance just wasn't there for me, I decided to shift gears. I had always, uh, in the back of my mind, wanted to get my master's in social work and work in this space in particular, just given yeah. some personal experience that I have with my own family. Um, I saw there was a need in this space. There is. Um, so I went to uh, Boston College got my master's in social work there uh, with the intention of leaving school and starting something similar to what we've established with SD Family Services. And I had the pleasure of having Premila Deck as an adjunct professor in my last semester. And she and I just hit it off. And, you know, she emailed me one day and said, do you want a job? And uh -uh. The, rest is, the rest is history. So we've really uh, worked together to build this practice, which has truly quadrupled in size. I you know, we have a, a huge team now of doctorates and postdocs and um, really talented people all, you know, working to support families in the Middlesex and Norfolk County areas. So um, as you, you may know, I had a podcast uh, uh, interview with Prema Ledeck a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago, and we're going to be posting her, her podcast soon. And we'll be having one with uh, Jessica, also from your office. So we're doing a series. Yeah. 
from SD Family Services because there's so many (laughs) different nuances and so many different talented people and so many different programs you offer that I want to go as deep as I can. So today we're going to talk about the one that you uh, created, right, CORE? Mm-hmm. Yep. And CORE, which stands for Co-Parenting Restructuring. So the C and O from Co-Parenting, the R and E from Restructuring. Sounds good. Easy way to remember it. So tell us, mm-hmm. tell us about CORE. Yeah, so, so CORE kind of was born out of the need that we saw for um, co-parents who are really like just starting to wade into that new space for themselves like how are we going to what does our family look like now how are we going to parent now that we're separated or now that our divorce is final or even sometimes it's you know what we've been doing for the past year two years isn't working at all the conflict's really high how do we take a step back and restructure you know how we've built out our relationship as no longer romantically involved no longer married no longer living together right now we have two separate homes what does this look like right um we know that you know there are programs that that do this that more focus on very high conflict. So there's the high conflict parenting class by William James. Right. Um, Premila is also the director of that program, um, but there isn't a a program that is you know designed just particularly and can be tailored specifically to a what you know a, a former couple. So you know our program is one clinician, so myself, and then it will be, you know, the, the co-parents, and it's just the three of us in every session. So it's a very tailored, we can speak about very specific struggles that they're having, um, address, you know, very specific weaknesses. So it allows us to be, you know, uh, bespoke in our approach to helping this, this, this right. family. So these are two parents and you in four sessions, okay. you meet four together, sessions. and it's obviously very structured. Uh, mm-hmm. as to what steps you take them through to get them to kind of learn a new way to work together as parents who are divorced, separated or divorced. Right, Great. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we start up, we also really try and frame a lot of this work um, centering the children because that's the one thing we know that the parents can, can agree, agree on. on. <laughs> right? Yeah. They, they love their kids. They have the same goals for their kids. They may not agree on how to achieve those goals but ultimately what we find is that these parents they want the same things they just really diverge on how to get there and reminding them that they want the same things is part of the process so um, we have them dedicate the workbook to their kids they put pictures of their children in the book Uh so that they are constantly reminded why are we doing this why are we here Um, and then you know, week one, we really talk, it's called the price of conflict is the theme for week one. And we talk a lot about what conflict looks like in, you know, in in a family that's restructuring itself and how that impacts not only the parents themselves, but their children, their day to day, cortisol levels, stress, et cetera. The first exercise we do though, um, in week one is we give the prompt, you know, in 20 years from now, your child is at a cafe with some friends and they're all talking about their childhood and they're reflecting on memories they've had and how their parents did, you know, how they'd score their parents. And, um, what are you, what is your kid saying? What do you want them to be saying? Mm -hmm. What do you want them to reflect upon? What emotions do they have when they think about their childhood? And, uh, I give them a few minutes. They, 
to each write that down yeah. and then they, they each share it with me and I type it out you know on the computer if we're on zoom or I'll write it out on a, a whiteboard if we're together in person yeah. and 9.9 times out of 10 what they want is almost verbatim exactly the, the same, same thing the, the same sentences the same phrasing yeah. like not even just the same ideas like that say said in the same way and I kind of give them a moment to you know I'll say you know look at this you, you've literally said the exact same things mm-hmm. um, and that's just something that you need to keep remembering because when you are in the trenches of conflict and you are you know just battling one another over three hours next Tuesday and who's going to pick Johnny up like remember that the bigger picture here you want the same things right so it's yeah, hard to see that you but. try to get them to step back a moment and remember mm-hmm. what their original goals were as parents exactly focus what's that, on that phrase see the you can't see the forest through the trees yes that's right yes yeah, showing them the forest curious um so if two parents who are sitting with you in the first session have no, almost the same expressions for what they want for the children. Is that consistent from uh, couples to couples as well, that most parents say the same thing about what they expect their children will say in that cafe? Yes. Yep. And what Everybody is, wants, like, what do they say? You know, my, my parents were supportive and loving. They always put me first. I could go to them with everything. Um, I was happy. I felt supported. I felt I could be who I wanted to be. I felt loved all the time I felt like I made joyful memories you know playing and traveling and so it's all the same thing joy love support happiness makes sense right all right so team building essentially between the co-parents at the first session what else happens that first session um and then we just kind of get into uh you know what is what is conflict doing to your to your family what is it doing to you we talk about the different ways that um, high conflict and families exposed to high conflict can feel the impact of that. So, you know, anxiety and depression, stunted emotional development, um, work, academic, social struggles, chronic stress, behavioral challenges, low self-esteem and self-worth. And as I lift the list these things off, I pause and ask, you know, are you seeing that in your family? And every single one they're saying yes, yes, yes. I'm seeing it with myself. I'm seeing it with my kids. Yeah. Um, so that really is, I think, another aha moment. That's like, oh wow, you know, we're really messing up here. Like we we could we could write the ship and do a lot better than we're doing. Um, and I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, saying this is a voluntary process. So both parents mm-hmm. have to agree that they want to be fixed effectively, or want an opportunity to learn how to be fixed. Right. Uh, or to get to get, get at least to get along better fixed maybe mm-hmm. not too optimistic <laughs> right right so so the fact that i will say the fact that they're even in this zoom space or in the room together is very promising yeah. for the outcome of this program yeah. because like you said they're opting into this this isn't court ordered they're not you know being forced here they're opting into it i mean maybe they were nudged a bit by counsel or or something but they're here Mm -hmm. and more than often than not they're willing to be there and to participate there's been a few times where they haven't and we usually screen those out because there's just no there's no nothing that i can do if you don't want to be here there's nothing i'm going to be able to do to help you have you seen any any uh, couples drop out after a session or two of the four sessions 
I've never seen anyone drop out. I have screened people out. Um, the first step is that I actually have a 30-minute individual mm. with each party. Yeah. And there are certain things I'm looking for. Yeah. And if those things rear multiple times, I will screen them out. And those things are just constant blame, blame language, inability to reflect at all yeah. on their contribution to the problem. Um, you know, any type of abuse allegations, things that were just going to make it impossible to work together. Understood. So um, back to the the, uh, the price of conflict, we talk about the impact of stress on the body. We have, you know, gra- graphics pulled from research. Um, then we shift into stress management and really talk about the fact that as parents, you need to be able to manage your stress in order to model to your children how to do the same so how are you doing that we have you know a mini self-care discussion because this stuff is hard this is hard work it's hard to be in this room it's hard to get divorced it's hard to co-parent it's hard to watch your kids struggle all of it is hard and you need to center yourselves every now and then as well so that your kids can see yeah how to do that yeah yeah we're teaching them absolutely um, and we just also talk about, like, you know, there's there's the myth that child of divorce just don't fare as well as you throughout life as children of intact families. Yeah. And research over time has shown that that is not true. Uh, children of divorce can absolutely and do excel in all the various, you know, developmental milestones on par with children of intact families. Where that diverges is children whose parents got divorced and then remained in high states of conflict for years and years in and out you know highly litigious in and out of court unable to stand next to each other at the soccer game unable to send an email that you know didn't start a war yeah uh that's when the kids are going to feel that because they're it's chronic stress for them all the time right that the two people they love the most in the world cannot stand each other and make that known well that's encouraging that children of divorce can thrive as long as the parents handle it well which is what you're teaching them exactly so we just talk about you know okay so so what's your job your job is to limit conflict how can you do that it's way easier said than done you know it's not like okay limit conflict thank you (laughs) thanks for coming (laughs) good luck um and a lot of the rest of the sessions are around how we're going to do that but we do highlight just some key steps keep it keep the peace keep it positive keep it civil so keep the peace, you know, keep the kids out of it. Let them think that things are peaceful. Don't let them see arguments. Don't let them, don't put them in the middle. Right. Like keep their world like a safe, peaceful place. Um, keep it positive. Just be positive about your co-parent. You know, you don't have to be over the top. You don't just say things you don't mean, but your child loves your co-parent. So you need to you know, lean into that yeah. and support them in that. Even saying and hello. Then, I mean, even just, well, right. If it's a high conflict exactly. divorce, they can't even be, they can't even greet each other. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. So yes. And that is something actually we talk about in, I think it's week three, but, and then keeping it civil, just develop healthy communication patterns so that when you are to your point, standing next to each other and, you know, need to say hello, you are able to do that in a way that is, you know, feels genuine even if it's not, looks genuine <laughs> and makes your kid feel good. Yeah. Because that's what it's about at the end of the day. Yeah. So that's that's week one is really um, kind of digging into what conflict looks like in a in this situation and how it can really impact your family and that if we can avoid it, yeah. um, we can make a lot of progress in terms of 
So week one makes them face reality. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And then in week two, we get into some of the um, more difficult discussions. We we frame week two, we title it conscious communication. Mm -hmm. Um, So that whole, the term is, what is conscious communication? It's thinking about what you are sending before you send it, being purposeful about your words, um, being respectful, being efficient. Um, conscious communication is wildly important in these high conflict situations. Sure. Because every word matters and every thing holds, every sentence holds so much weight when there's so much emotion attached to it that thinking very strategically, how am I going to say this and not be insulting or be incendiary or inflammatory, that's very important. Um, and it's interesting because these are things that are easily done by these same people in every other arena of their life. Except this one. You know, mm-hmm. except this one. They can easily, you know, maybe have, you know, a, a, a waiter or waitress that isn't being kind to them. And they can easily find a way to, like, address that situation and not have it blow up into anything that's like unsavory in public. Right. Um, They can easily get into a conflict with someone at work and in a professional manner resolve it. Right. And then when it, you know, a kid's teacher, maybe there's a a disagreement about how something was handled and they can use their communication skills to navigate that without causing a scene. When it comes to one another, there is absolutely no space for them to be able to do that. So they know how not to be mean to other people, but they can't figure out how not to be mean to each other. (laughs) Exactly. And um, these are very, you know, oftentimes very high functioning people. This is not like a cognitive thing. This is truly the, they just cannot. That's, that's usually how I phrase it. They cannot do it. And so we're here to help, help you at least try you know, to learn. maybe you'll never get yeah. get to the place of fully being able to do it 100% of the time. But you need some tools in your toolbox so that you can at least try. Yeah. Um, or at least give pause first, before you say something. Yes. Right? That yes. 10 second like, wait, delay. That, exactly. You know, be conscious about what you're saying. Yeah. Don't just fly off the handle. Um, so we talk about two things. We talk about holding your horses. So um, John Gottman and Jane Gottman talk about in their work uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse yeah. and how these four horsemen can absolutely disrupt a relationship of any kind. They frame it more um, in terms of like a marriage, but we took that same model and applied it to co-parenting because it, these types of communication and the four horsemen are criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. When these four types of communication show up repeatedly in any relationship, whether it be co-parenting or a marriage or a, you know a work or work life relationship, it's it's going to negatively impact the foundation of of those two people and their ability to get anything done. Yeah, the Gottmans were awesome though because they also uh, gave some anecdotes to all four horsemen. Mm-hmm. So we we took those anecdotes as well and reframed them to apply to the co-parenting relationship. So for example, instead of being critical of someone, you can use a gentle startup where you use an I statement. You talk about how what happened made you feel and you maybe come up with a, ask a question or come up with a suggestion on how you can work together to make it go differently the next time. 
versus just saying you're the worst and you always do this to me and you know I, I can't work with you right which tends to shut down pr- productivity <laughs> well exactly and, and the horsemen shut every that's the whole thing but you meet someone with the horsemen they're going to shut down yeah and you're not getting anywhere um defensiveness same thing of uh, deflecting responsibility so if someone comes to you and says hey I feel like XYZ and you're like I don't do that I never do that instead of actually taking a beat and reflecting on okay well maybe I did do that and how can I own what I did take accountability for what I did apologize even maybe and then present solutions or how for how it may not happen again um, so taking responsibility is the antidote to defensiveness uh, contempt is just being very mean, <laughs> showing anger and hostility and just insulting. And there's just no space for that. There's no space for that inflammatory language of, you know, name calling and swearing. Right. Um, and the antidote to that is just be respectful. You know, just there is a way to say anything nicely. So you might be really, really angry and frustrated and want to say oh, I've explained this to you five times. Like, you're you're so dumb. Why don't you get it? And there's, like, a nice way to say that. There's a nice way to say, I'm not understanding where the miscommunication was. Perhaps let's review what I might be able to provide to you next time so that things don't get lost in translation. You know, yeah. it, it, that, that'll go a long way yeah. than calling someone a name. Yeah. Um, and then stonewalling is when you just completely shut down. Yeah. And don't respond at all. Yeah. Which can be wildly infuriating and completely unproductive. And and I think the thing about stonewalling is that is often a coping mechanism for people. They're not even trying to be, you know, difficult. They just don't have the capacity to engage in that moment. And then they just never get there. And so the antidote is you, everyone is welcome and entitled to a moment of just resetting. Like, I need 10 minutes and that's what I need to, so that I can come back and consciously communicate, Yeah. but it's resetting and then re-engaging. And so making sure that you are getting to the re-engaging part and that you've, you know, balanced yourself, that you are no longer dysregulated and you can re-engage. And so you don't become overly reactive Exactly. or non-reactive, as you said, stonewalling. Right. And then and then when you do come back, you you know, you're in a place where hopefully you're not bringing any of the other three horsemen back <laughs> into the mix. So, um, yes. Yeah, so we talk a lot about how can we hold our horses? It's interesting because at every um, every horseman, as I'm explaining them, I'm saying, hey, you know, does, does this show up in your in your communication patterns? And I really appreciate their honesty because they're, they're every time they're like, yep. All the time. Yeah. I do it all the time, and they're both saying it. <laughs> no, that's good. So Great. Yeah. And I think, you know, that just shows, like, the fact that they're there is one thing. Then the fact that they're willing to reflect on their contribution is also super yeah. uh, positive. And admit because, it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and that's taking responsibility. They don't get, they don't, they're not getting defensive when I'm saying, like, hey, do you think you criticize each other? They're owning it. Yeah. And, and really reflecting on it, which is great. The other piece that we talk about is Biff. Uh, Bill Eddy wrote a book titled Biff, Quick Responses to High Conflict People, Their Personal Attacks, Hostile Emails, and Social Media Meltdowns. <laughs> and it's a framework for how to communicate with people who, you know, run a little bit hotter and may not always communicate with you in the way you need to be communicated with. So a Biff approach, it just helps 
uh, co-parents communicate more effectively and it tackles those negative communication cycles head on. Yeah. Um, BIF stands for brief, informative, friendly, and firm. So be brief is like keep it short and to the point. Yeah. You know, there's, there is no need to bring up what happened in 1993 um, when you, you know, when you're talking about if you're going to side Johnny up for soccer. Right. There's just no need to do that. Um, so just talk about soccer if that's what you're that's the topic. about in your email. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and informatives, again, don't get into any commentary. Just stick to the facts. You know, Johnny wants to play soccer in the spring. The sign-up date is next week. Would you like to, to fill out the form or should I? Um, keep it friendly. You know, put a greeting. Yeah. You know, hi, John. <laughs> insert insert text. Thanks, Cindy. <laughs> um I actually had, this was interesting, I had one, I never really gave much thought to the friendly part, I just thought, you know, it's just a nice thing to do, and I had one um, co-parenting couple that were kind of like scoffing at the friendly part, they're like, oh, I have to say hi, (laughs) Um, and then I said, you know what, just give it a shot, like, in the next week, when you communicate with one another, let's try and use a greeting and stick to Biff. So now the next session comes about and they, the, one of the parents said, you know, I just want to say something. I know we were both kind of like, ugh, we have to be friendly to each other. And I have to tell you, I got an email from him last week and it said my name. And that is the first time he has called me by my name Mm. in like three years. That really made an impact. And she, she was emotional. She was like, crying she's like i am like i have we have dehumanized one another so much that we don't even can't say each other's name uh, we Mm -hmm. don't even say each other's names Mm -hmm. so the friendly one really goes a long way and i tell that anecdote now in every session because i'm like it matters yes that you remember that you are people yes you're people that used to care about each other enough to build a family and have children together yeah and have children together like you can say each other's names in an email yeah yeah it's not a lot of It's really it becomes such a stark example of how far apart people have gotten. Right, right. right. Um, and then firm is the last one, just being direct, offering solutions, offering deadlines, you know, not, not leaving things wishy-washy. Because if there's any, you know, room for error, that could derail any conversation. Yeah, trigger so, things. Mm. Right. So if you're asking for a response, you know, can you let me know by Tuesday if you're asking you know for direction on should i sign him up or should you sign him up please let me know by next week just being very clear about what what the ask is yeah. in the email got it um so that's biff all right and that's session two that's session two and we we do we work through examples i have them do examples like take messages that are not biff and turn them into biff uh-huh. um and then we do a whole reflective uh um exercise on so what are your communication strengths and what are your areas for development um oftentimes they're like none we have no communication strength and i'm like well well, none yet Mm -hmm. that's what this is about Mm -hmm. and then their areas of development are all very similar to everything we had just discussed right they they're too critical of one another they're defensive so you know it kind of gives us a path to addressing these things because now we have tools Right. So um, that's that's week two. They've opened a the door. <laughs> they've opened a door for themselves, right? Yeah. And they have the workbooks. So yeah. They don't have any excuse. They can't say they forgot. Like, it's all right there. Um, week three is where we, 
we center the kids a little bit more and in, in kind of invoking them when we talk about strengthening the string and then the uh, second part of, of week three is our communication plan. So in terms of strengthening the string, there's a book, it's called The Invisible String, and of course the author's name is eluding me right now, um, but it's a children's book about um, a little girl who has some separation anxiety and she, her mom gave her this imagery that there's an invisible string connecting her heart to mom's heart and wherever she is, she's connected to mom. So using that same imagery, we talk about the fact that there is a string connecting your child's heart to your own heart and also another string connecting them to their co-parent. So when they're with you, they are connected to their co-parent, even if they're not in your, you know, even if they're not in their home or with them physically. Right. And that is something that your job is to honor um, throughout their lifetime. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't come to your house, walk through the doors and excise their other parent and their other part of their life. Right. Like their family is very much both of you. Mm -hmm. They just happen to have two homes. Yeah. So your job as a co-parent is to make sure that the, that string that connects them to their other parent maintains like strong and doesn't fray. And so we talk about ways you can do that. The most obvious one is do not disparage your co-parent or their family ever, 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 ever. If you need to do that, you go do that with your therapist or you go do that with your mom, you know, at a restaurant. Yeah. You do not, you do not do that in front of your children at any time. Right. Um, And doing that is, is insulting one half of who they are. So it, it doesn't do them any service that you're not giving them an aha moment of like, oh yeah, my dad really is a jerk. You're really just ripping them in half because they are half their dad and they know that. So calling them a jerk is only going to make them question if they're also a jerk, uh-huh. they being the child. Uh-huh. Um, so so that's, that's a pretty straightforward one. And also just being very positive and encouraging about you know, have fun at dad's this weekend, or I hope you get to see your grandma or, you know, have such a fun, you know, Christmas celebration with, you know, grandma and your cousins. It's a hard thing to do to, to say goodbye to your kids every weekend and to hope- say goodbye to your kids yeah. on big holidays, but you, you fake it. Yeah. And <laughs> fake uh, that you're excited. Yeah. And not just the co-parent, but the extended family on the co-parent side, you know, mm-hmm. that you can accept the in-laws, that, that the child right. should have a relationship with their aunts and uncles and grandparents on the other side of the family, even right. though you may not like them all. Exactly. I love I love the thing we talked about before, too, about the senses, about mm-hmm. con- connecting the two households through various senses. What's that about? Yeah, yeah. so we, we, we labeled this following your senses, the idea being that parents can think about ways to connect these two homes by you know, leveraging the five senses. So like taste, for example. Um, if, you know, you're home with little Billy and the two of you are making chocolate chip cookies and then, you know, Billy's going to dad's at five o'clock, what, what a nice gesture to say, hey, why don't you bring a couple of these cookies to dad's? So now you've shown that you accept that Billy's going to dad's, that you are excited for him to go to dad's, and now he gets to eat food that you made with him in your house at dad's. So you're con- you're just connecting the dots for him yeah, in love terms that. of mm-hmm. being in both homes. Yeah, Sim- such a simple thing. So simple. But lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, smell, 
when we look at smell, how can you make things smell the same? Uh-huh. You know, smells a super s- strong scent. Can you, uh, a super strong sense. Like, can you put a candle in your house and th- that both smell the same? Do you use essential oils at night? If so, can you use the same scent? Um, can you use the same soap and shampoo, the same detergents, things that we don't think about, but if your clothes smell completely different every other week, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it's small, but it, it could make an impact. Yeah, I can see that. Um, touch is just allowing your child to bring like, you know, their special things back and forth, whether that's their favorite shirt or their lovey or a blanket. Um, and that really sends a message like, these are your things. And these are your homes. So you can do, you know, they can go back and forth versus a, this is my stuff, that's dad's stuff, and it has to stay separate. Um, so allowing them to have, like, these tactile things that go back and forth. Right, makes sense. a good message. Right. Um, and then hearing, like, w- what are things you could do there? Can you um, have, like, a book series that you share and, like, one week one of you reads one in the series and then the next week at the next house the other parent reads the second book with the child? Is there an audio book that you can listen to together? Like maybe for, if you have, for example, a 2255 schedule yeah. for like two of the days you're listening to it with mom and with mom, and then mom tips off dad as to where you left off and you pick it up with dad on the next two days. Yeah. And then, you know, the five days you're with mom, you're listening to more of it and it just becomes like, you know, fluid for them. Yeah. Um, that presupposes the parents could agree on the book. Each have a book, so the book doesn't have to go back and forth necessarily to the house, right? Because that's something to fight about if one parent forgets to send the book back to the other parent's house. Right, which would defeat the whole purpose of the exercise. Uh, One that might be easier is um, a Spotify playlist. Yeah. Or or any any music music streaming service. Like, create the same playlist and play the same songs. Dance around to them. Play them before bed. I love it. No, just continuity. Yeah. Um, and then vision. This this seems so small, um, but it's such a big deal. And I've seen firsthand in my own life the impact this makes. Put a picture of your co-parent in your child's room. Do it without them even knowing. Just, like, don't tell them. Just do it and just see what their reaction will be. Mm-hmm. Um, that really sends a symbol. Like, yeah, you might be here, but dad is so important to you. So, look, just yeah. by your bedside. You could see him whenever you want. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, and there's so many more things that you could think of. Part of the homework for this week is can you brainstorm, you know, five more things you could do to strengthen the string and, and follow your senses. And then the last piece we talk about before we get on to the actual, you know, communication plan that we build out for the family is the core conversation. And this goes back to the idea of can you just say hi to each other mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're around each other? Like it can't be that difficult to do that for your kids. And so the acronym we've come up with is to keep it core. So that stands for casual, keep it light, no hot button topics. You're just saying hello, how are you, or have a nice day. Um, Be open to it. You know, you might be very uncomfortable. Push through that because your kids are watching. So just be open to it. Okay. Be be respectful. So treat each other when you're doing this with a kind tone. Um, and, And engage just enough. That's the E. Um, just enough for your kids to see. It doesn't have to be a big show. Yeah. You don't have to, you know. Something small is okay. Niceties. It's hi, nice to see you. Uh-huh. Have a good day. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And people. And then you move on, and it makes such a big, it's such a big deal for your kids. Put on a nice show. Um, 
exactly. And then we spend the next part of, of that third session building out the family communication plan. So we talk through everything we've discussed and, you know, what medium do, do you two want to primarily communicate for through? What do you want to do if there's an emergency? How do you want to address each other in person? Yeah. What, what are you going to do at transitions? What are you going to do at soccer games? And we just kind of talk through every scenario yeah. and give them a playbook. Yeah. So that they're not floundering in these moments. Right, that's a great idea. So that's a lot happens in session three. Yeah, yeah. that's session three. And then session four is really, it, it's, it's all about um, their backup plan. So we talk a lot about, okay, now what? We've, we've gone through this. You have tools in your toolbox. You have this workbook. But life isn't perfect. And there will be times where maybe you'll leave this session and you'll have, you know, this program and you'll have like six great months and then, then a hot topic's going to come up in month seven. And now all of a sudden things are getting a little rocky and you can't right the ship. What are you going to do? And so we talk about all different options for them. We talk about co-parenting coaches. We talk about limited PCs. We talk about full PCs. Just stop for one second for our listening audience. A PC is a parent coordinator. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. We talk about, yes, PCs as parenting coordinator. Mm-hmm. So we talk about limiting limited parenting coordinator who would have authority over very specific predetermined items. And then a full p- parenting coordinator would have authority over all parenting-related decisions. Got it. Um, and so we just talk about, like, how are we going to keep you out of court? Because that's really the ultimate goal. We Court really can damage families. Litigation really hurts families. It's very necessary sometimes. But if it's not necessary, you know, what what else is there before you get there? Um, so we go through a backup plan. They, they come up with, you know, something they feel comfortable with. We also talk about one or two hot topics that they know are on the horizon. Maybe nothing imminent, but things that, you know, well, um, Jane's birthday is in August. And maybe it's December, but Jane's birthday is in August. Um, and I want to throw a party and he wants to throw a party. And so we kind of like start to talk through that, go through a couple conflict resolution exercises so that they have that in their toolbox as well versus just, you know, going back and forth via email and then ultimately having without a result. Up. Yes. Back and forth. Exactly. without No way to figure it yes. out. Just a horrible cycle. Um, so we work through that. And then the last step is that I have them work together to write a letter to their kids. And in this letter, they're explaining that they're really working hard, that they've done a program, you know, this program, that they um, know that things have, have been difficult, that they know the divorce hasn't been easy on the kids, and that they've contributed to a lot of that. They apologize for that. They can get specific, you know, it's different for every family. And then they decide together what they want to promise it will look like going forward. You know, we promise that we're not going to fight in front of you anymore. We promise to no longer call each other names. Uh, we promise to say hi to each other at your soccer game. Mm-hmm. We promise to go to parent-teacher conferences together. Whatever it is that they know is important to their children and important to moving, um, you know, the relationship along in terms in terms of their co-parent relationship, they they put in that letter. The hope is that the directive is that you know go find a time to read this to your kids, take them to dinner together, and read this to your kids and and really express to them this is a new chapter of our family story so this and is, we're really trying. So this is one letter signed by both parents one with a joint message. Beautiful. With a joint yeah. message. And so I, you know, we don't follow through on whether or not they 
you know, we can't mandate that no. they do that, but that's the message. And the hope is that these kids are getting this letter from their parents yeah. and are able to, you know, have that as like a beautiful memory. And hopefully that it really does spark change yeah. for the family. I, I think the program is fabulous. That core program that you just discussed with the four, four meetings, co-parenting, learning, teaching co-parenting. And I'm very hopeful that that will be successful and maybe can and stem the tide of mental illness with children who are suffering mm-hmm. from the conflict of a divorce. Yes. So um, I really appreciate what you're doing, Jacqueline. And I think what you created is brilliant. Thank you so much. I plan to refer as many people as are willing to go um, to come see you. You have a great manner about you. You make, you know, admitting fault easy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, hopefully they'll see the error of their ways, their parents, and can talk to each other better. That's great. Yeah, that's the hope. Yeah. Just helping these families heal. Yeah. There's so many other services that your boutique practice offer in addition to this core program, which is the four sessions we've just talked about. So I hope our listeners will contact your office and uh, learn about them and and see which one works for them. So what's a good way to contact you or your family's service office? So if you go to our website, sdfsmass.com, you'll see a list of all of our services, um, descriptions of everything. You'll see our whole team, all of our bios. Um, And then you can also call us at uh, 781-789-0676. Great. And you can email us as well at admin at sdfsmass.com. So um, that will take you to our office manager who can put you in the right direction. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Jacqueline. I've learned a lot for your program, and I will highly recommend it to anyone who's willing to go. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for doing this. This podcast is amazing and and is a service in and of itself. So um, I appreciate that. All right. Take care. Thanks so much. You too.